And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. As you can probably hear, this is not Therusha or Imran today, and we're doing a ladies' takeover. Woo, woo. Hello. Hello. Um, so I'm Nina Jar. I am a GP with a special interest in emergency medicine. Uh, yeah, no, stop that. I'm a mum who does a bit of doctoring on the side. I think that's a bit more realistic. And I'm joined by... Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Beth and John. I'm an uh, ex-neurosurgery trainee um, and you can probably, well, you often find me on Twitter kind of pondering my existential crises. Um, oh, and I'm starting GP training next February. Whoop, whoop. One GP down, 7,999 to go. <laughs> We're getting there slowly. We're getting there slowly, but surely. Getting there. Do you want to tell people kind of how we met, Nina, or...? What do you want to do? Do you want to jump straight in? It might be nice for people to know about kind of how we met, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, um, I slid into Beth and John's DMs, actually. <laughs> we hadn't. She I did. did. She did. I did. I was one of the creepy DM people. Um, I'd never, I'd only been on Twitter for a few months. And what was it? Was it the free, the when the government were ending? It was free, the, yeah. The, the kids free meals. school meals yeah. for kids. And I was so angry and I didn't know what to do. And then I just saw you on Twitter and you were like... <laughs> really angry as well. <laughs> really angry as well. So I was like, hiya, you don't know me, but I'm effing mad at the Tories. You seem effing mad too. Let's do something. What do we do? And... Um, yeah, it went from you there, You responded didn't it? to me. Thank you for yeah. not blocking me after that. No, I think <laughs> I just probably responded with more profanities about the Tories. And you then did. You the were like, rest yeah, is history, yeah. yeah, yeah, the rest <laughs> is history. But kind of what's like, what's really confused me, Nina, is why Therusha and Imran would actually trust us to do this podcast. Like, I, I generally, no I generally have no idea why they thought that would be a good idea. Um, but yeah, do you know, do you know what they're up to? Like, what's going on with them at the moment? I think we do need to reassure their fans because they have lots of fans out there. Um, really? Do they? I'm only, I'm only joking. We love you guys. Imran probably doesn't after his I Hate Dogs little segment from, yeah. from last week. But no, they're absolutely fine. So Therusha is actually still in the loo. He's been in there. How long has he been in there for, Bethan? Like two hours now, hasn't it? Yeah, he? yeah. I think I was thinking of sending out to search party, but I didn't want to kind of disturb him. Or... No, let's just leave him in there. God knows what he's doing in there. Mm. And Imran's been been a bit stressed of late um because he I don't know what he does but he does so many things at the moment so he's been a bit stressed so we've you know followed the example of one of the royal colleges and we've printed out some x-rays for him to color in and honestly I can just see his stress like melting away I can right in front of me and his well-being's taken a looks like it's taken a real boost a, a real boost you it say has. a boost oh. a boost that brings us nicely into kind of uh, our first topic this week. Um, it? Yeah, it does, because it seems that Donut Dude is well and truly back. So I'm sure you all know the background uh, with regards to Donut Man, Donut Dude, Donut Guy. But he kind of acquired his unofficial name after slating, and these were his words, already overweight and obese NHS staff for enjoying donuts during the pandemic, essentially. Um, you know, as if there isn't bigger fish to fry, but 
but still. Um, but yeah, so it all started with a, a quite an innocuous tweet from Shivani. Um, and she tweeted, is everyone getting a boost bar with their booster vaccine or is that just my hospital? I, for one, am pleased they are finally getting some recognition as one of the top five Cadbury bars. And then, yeah, donut I mean, guy. Have, yeah. He swooped in there with, yeah, with the iconic. This one tweet sums up everything that's wrong with modern medicine. Now that's some like, that's some accusation, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I mean, to be honest, I was fairly disappointed with this tweet from Shivani. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I have a lot of respect for her, a lot of time for her, but it was a disappointing tweet. Um, Boost being in the top five Cadbury's bars. Uh, yeah, I mean, Shivani, come on. Shivani, come on. Doesn't even come anywhere near top five, I have to say. What's, what are your top five then, Nina? Top five have to be twelve. Sorry. Boring. No, it's not boring. boring. It's Go on, not. try again. Try again. 12 bites. No. Mm. 12 Go bites. On. Flake. Mm, boring. <laughs> no, Honestly, this is like, this is so disappointing. Like, I, I gen, like, if I knew I'm our finished. relationship I'm was finished. based on this. Go on, I'm try. Still going, still going. Try harder. Curly whirly. Curly mm, whirlies. Getting better. Getting better. Number four is curly whirly, and number five is curly whirly. Three, four, and five I can get on board with. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, you're Kit obviously, Kat. You're, oh, number five is oh, Kit Kat. Kit Kat's a boring man. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> essentially, the fridge. Yeah. essentially, you're missing bounties and um, just anything with nuts in. Like, that's my favourite. Um, no, but nuts. yeah. You've got to be careful with the nuts and chocolate. Why? Only hazelnuts for me. No, um, yeah. I, just, I just love, like, all nuts. Like, all all. All nuts are my no, favourite. I'm very, very specific about which nuts go in my chocolate. Yeah, cool. I'm glad our listeners know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but seriously, like the, the backlash to, to Shivani's tweet was was just absolutely ludicrous. It's ridiculous, wasn't it? Like, how dare a diabetes consultant eat chocolate like that? It, that literally blew people's people's minds. Um and what yeah there was really there was quite a few good responses um one of my favorites was um and shivani uh, retweeted this as well but one of the favorite responses was seeing a diabetes specialist talk about chocolate is like going to visit your priest and finding a porn magazine in their office <laughs> like, i mean what the, what the hell probably yeah. apt, but i mean Come on. Yeah. I mean, how do you even respond to a, a tweet like that? Well, I didn't know porn magazines were still going. I just assumed it was like all online now. So I, I quite like the retro vintage vibe to, <laughs> to that response. But um, but yeah, there, there was kind of some comments as well about kind of, you know, obviously Dr. Malhotra's gone through some personal things and, you know, and we're very, very sorry, you know, to with regards to that but people say you know we have no right to call out this stuff but you know this this kind of agenda goes back a long time like this is not new um but also also it's a very strong tweet from him yeah you know this one tweet sums up everything that's wrong with modern medicine i mean with a platform that he has that that seems quite targeted and personal Mm. to shivani and you know she had so many trolls troll responses after that tweet um, and we we know what that's like. We've both had experienced that, yeah. haven't we? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's really upsetting. Yeah. It's really upsetting. Yeah, it's it's easier said than done to just kind of say, block, rise above it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you're still reading these kind of really hurtful comments and it's, it's yeah. you know, they're still, we're human, aren't we? They, they get to us. But exactly. um, I really hope, well, we both really hope that it's kind of all died down a bit for Shivani now. You kind of didn't deserve yeah. any of that backlash. Um, not at all, not in the slightest. And we hope you're okay. And um, 100%. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, that brings us nicely on um, to a tweet about how to avoid unwanted attention, Nina, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So um, this is by Hannah um, Al Othman, and she wrote The absolute best feature of Twitter is the mute button. You don't have to give anyone the satisfaction of blocking them, but just leave them all shouting into the void. Use it liberally, and your experience on here will be much better. Yeah, hear, hear, man. Hear, hear. So what do you do, Bethan? Mute? Block? None of the above. I dabble in a bit of everything now, I think. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I used to be kind of like really timid about blocking. Like, I don't know why I was fight, kind of so nervous about it, but like, I don't think I give a damn now. Like, yeah, I, I do quite like muting because it is that, you know, that is that satisfaction of kind of, they think that you can see their stuff. You can't, you really don't give a damn about it. Um, but yeah, I think something needs to be done. You can't just have that kind of like constant negative comments so yeah I'm I'm a lot more liberal um blocking but I've not used one of those nuke tools that Tharusha spoke no, about previously I haven't used those either no I I'm like you I felt really guilty blocking people previously they had to have said something really truly awful for me to like feel justified in blocking them no I just block away <laughs> you go girl <laughs> you do it you go block them all I haven't used mute that much because I don't know well, I think someone mentioned ages ago like sometimes you respond because other readers will see that really negative response so yeah. like for yeah. example if, you, if we're tweeting something about COVID vaccines and someone writes something really negative about about you you're a dangerous doctor promoting this and sometimes you feel like you have to respond so that other readers don't see that res- mm. response and believe it but yeah no, it's good. It's good to know there's options to kind of quieten the trolls, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it kind of brought us on then to kind of, you know, moving on to that unwanted attention in, in real life as well. And there was a, t- a tweet from Joseph Machter. Machter? Sorry if um, if I've pronounced your name wrong. Um, but he tweeted, there is something weirdly satisfying sitting in the PDD doctor's office, typing up my notes for the last 10 patients I've seen, listening to a dad who's been waiting in the department for only an hour, mouthing off about how crap we are, how crap the department is, how crap the UK is. God, that must feel like an absolute punch to the gut, mustn't it? Oh, absolutely. We've had, um, shall I read out the couple of other tweets? Yeah, there were some nice tweets that went well with that, yeah. Same uh, vein, really. Um, So one from Dave Trisker, he wrote, Tiny bit broken, listening to parents and patients this morning whom the NHS is failing. Everyone is maxed out and doing their best, but it isn't working for many. This includes GP services too. We do our best, but we'd like to do better. And there was another one from from James um, James Van Gools. I Everyone's changed their name. To I know. I don't know what anyone's real name. Yeah, real yeah. Names, uh, I think James, um, James Van Gill. James Van Gill. I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, he wrote, "What a day! I think patients forget we're people too." That one really got to me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That one like, really yeah. had an impact. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's just kind of really demoralising, isn't it? And um, you know, like we 
we all know that the system is struggling and we would hope that kind of patients know that as well. And I think any when patients have a doubt that we're kind of trying our best in, in what feels like a bit of a floundering system. I don't know, sometimes I take that a bit personal because it's like, no, I, you know, we are really trying. It's, this is just what the government has like created now. And obviously we don't want to go into like a political rant. Um, that's Nina and, and our like spin-off podcast, just basically <laughs> talking about fucking Tories. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, yeah, like it's hard to manage expectations, isn't it? It's just, yeah, it it's is. just really demoralizing. Thing is, in reality, like you know, it's you know, it's not your fault. It's a system. It's a what you know. It's a system-wide problem. Yeah. But in reality, when you're there, you're working. You're you know, whatever hour into your shift, and you can see people are waiting and they're in pain, and you haven't got around to seeing them yet, and they're suffering. Um, you you feel it, and especially when they're letting out their frustrations on you. You you, I understand fully where their frustrations yeah, are coming completely. from. But um, it's yeah. It's really hard. And I think this is where having a good team behind you really has its value. Yeah. Because I find um, when I'm in A&E, for example, and then having, you know, the whole team around you, when you're getting the frustration um, that's directed towards you, every it, it's, it feels like it's shared across everybody and, and it's all kind of soaked up amongst everybody. Whereas in GP, when you're alone, yeah, it's isolating. And... It's so isolating. And I I find it a lot harder to, to deal with those sorts of issues in general practice. Yeah, we've got to have each other's backs. And without kind yeah. of, with risk of kind of straying into the, the hashtag be kind territory. It's just so, <laughs> it's just so important though, isn't it? Like we've got to, yeah. we've got to support each other. Um, I don't even want people to be kind. I just want people to be just like civil. Chill. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. just don't, be dick, be don't be a dick, please. Don't be a dick. Yeah. yeah. It's a really low threshold or really low really? bar that we've set. Just, yeah, yeah just don't be a dick. Um, but yeah, but yeah, something else that kind of, I guess, doesn't help or doesn't, boost morale um, is a lovely passive aggressive laminated sign that the NHS seem to seem to love um, and there was another one posted this week wasn't there yeah which one is this is it the locker room yeah yeah, yeah. so there's a tweet by um, L. Louise Morris who's an FI1 doctor and she uh, posted a sticker on the ladies locker room that said staff ladies locker room due to a shortage of ladies lockers would doctors kindly not use in your thoughts <laughs> fuck off sorry sorry I did yeah no I don't know it's just it really gets me upset about this kind of like us and them mentality with like permanent staff and doctors rotating through like how you know this is it's so alienating for doctors rotating through. Like I was lucky on neurosurgery that training in the Northwest, kind of all my training was in, in one unit. I'd never experienced that before. And to become like regarded as a more permanent member of staff was just, yeah, it's, it amazed me kind of how much that contributed to like your well being in work. Um, but yeah, this whole like one team stuff, like it's not true because this yeah. stuff is it's still going on and just makes for a really uncomfortable experience. And I've become victim to the, the locker situation. Um, Yeah. Working in (laughs) surgery once. Well, it was when I first started my last, um, last rotation. And um, of course being a rotating doctor, I wasn't entitled to a locker and some, like someone stole just my, like my work trousers from the changing room, but they were like a size 18 Sainsbury pair of black trousers, like proper, 
like just really crap trousers and I thought like why would you leave like my bag you know my yeah my other belongings and just take my so what did you did you go home bare below well I was I was tempted but I was (laughs) I wouldn't I wouldn't wouldn't push that upon anyone god yeah lord knows what would happen but no I ended up going home in like um like a smart no but for some reason I wore like my smart shirt on top and then just had a pair of red scrub trousers on the bottom (laughs) and it now makes sense to me that I should have just wore a red scrub top as well I don't know why I didn't think of that at the time (laughs) But yeah, but no, you're right. Like you do feel undervalued when you're, I think when you're a temporary staff member and you're rotating round, I found it hard to find my place as an F1. I remember always, you know, you're always feeling a bit on the back foot and almost apologizing for being in their territory. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's it. The the one time actually I I remember feeling really valued was when I did my um, acute medicine rotation and it was something so small like the consultant there was incredible he was so he didn't just talk the talk he actually walked the walk so he would take our bleeps from us you know as, as an f1 from the sho from the registrar he would do discharge summaries you know we'd all go out for lunch together just have bands with us he just treated us as equals and made us feel valued and it changed the morale of all the um all the staff working on that ward everybody felt um equal and that was all it took to make such a difference yeah and it feels like that's like such a rare occurrence now and isn't it a shame that something like that is is like rare and we we are speaking about it here as if it's just like this kind of one-off thing that's like stuck out for you in your career and yeah, stuff and, yeah and that, that's yeah that, that's like that kind of action is not not the norm I think that's a, a real shame um but kind of when we think about like well-being and, and how trust can help with that and prepare us for rotating to new hospitals we often think about uh, trust inductions don't we and I know we have varied opinions about trust inductions oh, yes. um, oh, yes. yeah UK inductions I guess often full of kind of fire training what extinguisher to use um, tellings off from infection control nothing ever kind of really useful for your day-to-day job nope. um, but there was a really cool induction email from um, a doctor in the USA this week um, and there were again mixed kind of responses on uh, on Twitter Shall I, shall I kind of read out his, yeah, read his it out. tweet? read it out. So this guy um, was, yeah, seemed like a decent guy and just said, set your expectations before the rotations begin. Juniors don't usually get upset about not getting what they want. It's usually because it's different than what they expected. Here was my standard email to welcome juniors onto the service. And he posted screenshots of his, uh, his kind of welcome <sighs> email. And uh, yeah, it was quite eye-opening about how things happen across the pond, isn't it? Which bits did out for you? <laughs> uh, there was quite a few, and there was there was a really positive bit that I kind of want to mention. There was um, a positive bit that I wanted to mention. Let's see if it's the same. Let's do. Cool. Let's just, should we do the negative first, and then yeah, we'll like- that sounds that sounds good. I think yeah, I think the 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 main negative w- for me was um, it was the, well, actually there was two. It was a tie between please like walk 10 feet ahead of everyone else so we all move faster <laughs> that was a bit I mean, bit bizarre really bizarre um yeah as if like yeah I don't know as if you're like rounding up like cattle or something I'd, yeah really um the uh, the, yeah. um, the 4:30 a.m yeah start that's yeah that watering. was the tie yeah and I think yeah. it's the wording of it as well start you know the um start time will vary day to day maybe 4:30 maybe 4 
or 33, who knows? But my general goal... <laughs> so generous. So generous. My general goal is to be done by about 7 a.m. So everyone has time to pre-op, get a snack, in brackets, <laughs> yay, wellness. Jesus. I mean, a 7 a.m. snack is not wellness. That's just breakfast, oh like a normal How breakfast. Lu- yeah. How lucky are we to be at getting breakfast at 7 a.m.? It's just a di- it's a different world, isn't it? But yeah, th- what was what was the positive that you took? Because yeah, I think it's fair. You know, it was a really kind of well-meaning tweet and an email, and it certainly was some positives. But what was that for you, Nina? The positive for me was when he said, "If you need to take time off for something, um, tell me well ahead of time." Yeah, but for family emergency, that doesn't really make much sense. But I, I get the sentiment, um, and he I liked when he said, "I don't need to know anything more." then hey Mm. Andrew if possible I need to be free at this time your health and personal life is none of my business yeah yeah that's yeah that's really cool yeah mine was slightly different actually mine was um mine was a bit that uh where he said and it actually was instilled into me kind of from doing pediatric neurosurgery and it was the bit though that said if you ever think hmm should I let the boss know then call me or call them obviously I'm paraphrasing here um but yeah it kind of it was that sentiment that if the fact has entered your or the thought has entered your mind should I be letting the boss know about this then yeah you know that should automatically mean that you phone them and yeah that was still into me in kind of pediatric neurosurgery and um I just appreciated the honesty of that like I'd rather let someone know about something and then kind of be like told off or oh, you didn't need to know you didn't need to let me know about that than kind of not let them know about 100%. something and it ended up being catastrophic. But, um, but yeah, kind of, there was some good bits in that as well. So yeah, not, not fair for us to kind of slate it all. Um, but then an, another complex relationship came up between colleagues as well in, in another tweet, didn't it? Um, and that was from Nat, Nina. Yeah. So if I read it out, this is from Nat, medical student. She put a really good tweet up. She said, when a doctor calls you unprofessional and highly inappropriate for using the word fab in front of a patient. (laughs) Fab, that's fine, surely. Fab, it's because it was shortened and not fabulous, darling. Oh, fab dabby dozy. <laughs> fab dabby dozy. That yeah, I'm sure that would be a much, yeah, much more professional. Oh my goodness. I swear that doctor probably would have had a heart attack if he listens to me in my clinic. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> but yeah, what do no, you think of it? Yeah, like I think like I've certainly been guilty for kind of maybe using what people might term more unprofessional language and it's it's never purposefully like I never I never choose to go into an interaction with a patient um and kind of decide to use a certain word or a swear word or or an abbreviation or whatever like it's never my you know never my intention but I just feel like I feed off the vibes with every interaction you know even with patients and colleagues and stuff and yeah I've said things like whilst comforting patients you know like I'm I'm really really sorry that things are so shit for you right now and that's it's just come out like I've not planned it it's just I feel like it's just a human way to 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 talk and and you know you take that line out of context it's like oh my god a doctor swore at a patient or whatever but like in the context I don't know, it just feels to me like a more meaningful connection. I just think like like what James was saying, we're human. Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, I actually think this is good clinical skills and good communication skills yeah, to use yeah. words that break down those barriers between you and your patient. Because I'll talk about general practice because that's, you know, what I do. But like in, in general practice, you've got 10 minutes and that's that's all you have. 
and your diagnosis mainly comes from your history. So you need to gain the trust of your patient and to try and gain that, um, just get that trusting environment so the patient opens up to you, you know, as, as quickly and as comfortably as possible. And then in hospital, patients are, it's a really terrifying experience and to alienate them by using language that they're not going to be comfortable with, with or maybe not even understand, it's just poor communication skills, um, in my opinion, and being able to adapt your language. And I think one of my rules is if a patient's brought it into the conversation, if they've brought in the word brill or crap or shit, then it gives me the okay to, to use it too and to yeah, kind of reflect yeah. it back on them. And I just remember, um, actually, just to go off topic a little bit, during my GP reg year, like I felt like your communication skills are quite, because you've always got to answer to someone, you've got to answer to a senior. To yeah, you. yeah. And it just felt like constantly doing a driving test, like every time you're in clinic. And I remember the freedom of CCTing and being able yeah. to practice completely independently not answering to anyone, being able to use language that I felt was that it built that relationship between me and the patient. Yeah. It was like, you know, going from driving clinically in a really sterile way to then CCTing and being able to roll down my windows or being pop you, on a bit yeah. of music. You know, you're still yeah, doing driving safely, yeah, but then you can... dancing. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> then... And actually, that has been the more, that is the human side of medicine. That, that's of why we it do it, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it made me think as well about something I tweeted a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was regards to me like suddenly becoming panicked and, and worried that I kind of use the term sweetheart, love, darling, like far too much. Um, like, you know, I was brought up in the South Wales Valleys. I then moved to Liverpool 10 years ago to start work. And God, everyone here and at home is is sweetheart or <laughs> darling or cherub or whatever. Like, it's literally all I know. My patients are darling. My colleagues are sweetheart. Like, yeah. someone who I've never met on the street is my love. Like, it's, yeah. And I've always meant it in an endearing way. And um, I don't always, know if this is my own. No, it always comes across as an endearing way from you. Like, yeah. I think it comes down to intention, isn't it? There's a way that people use love in a very patronizing way yeah, to I guess get their can. point across. Yeah. Um, but that's normally in a very specific context, not in how, you know, if it's just mm. common to the, to the, to the area or I, I've had a patient, I remember this elderly man, um, I was a really sweet guy and, you know, I've known him for, for quite a long time and he always calls me love at the end of a, of a concert. He goes, Aww. oh, thanks love. And then he thought, oh no, I remember he panicked saying, oh no, he's called me love. And he goes, oh no, sorry, I meant thanks doctor. Then he goes, thanks Dr. Love. And he goes, oh no, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> no. Dr. Love. <laughs> Dr. Love in the building. Um, yeah. Oh, that's really sweet, isn't it? It was really, Aww. I said, look, it's absolutely fine. Just... Yeah, it's, again, oh. it's part of building that doctor-patient relationship. Yeah. One of my favourite terms of endearment up here in Liverpool is kind of like in my role now and I'm like ringing patients or whatever and I'm like, oh, hi, my name's Beth and I'm one of the doctors. Um, I don't know, I, I just love it when like uh, an older lady will go, oh, all right, queen. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, that's just oh, like I dead love nice. That. All right, queen. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, queen. I can like, yeah, I can get on board with that. That would but, boost um, our well-being. Yeah, I, I just love it. It's the little things, didn't um, you say there are some weird ones as well? Like there's one that would throw me. Didn't you say that for... <laughs> I think I should oh say Oh God, it. what are you going to say? I Go on. Know. Go on. You've started now. Go okay. on. Isn't cock a term of endearment? I swear yeah. you told yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it is. I, don't, I think it's, is it from like, it's Northern or, or don't Midlands? Don't ask me but, where it's from. Yeah. If someone All was right, like, cock. hi, yeah. cock, I'd oh, be like, yeah. oh, hello, what's yeah. going on here then? One of my really good friends um, from from <laughs> Bolton likes to say, all right, cocker rocker. Like that's one of my that's one of my favourites. Cocker rocker. Yeah, cock, yeah. No, cock is a is a term of endearment, Nina. That is that is correct. That's cock. Five patients that call me. Hey, stranger. All right. And I remember my trainer. Um, there are a few patients who used to like come up to him and go, "All right, mate, how's it going?" And it wasn't in a disrespectful way at all. It was done with such respect and yeah, you know, it absolutely. Was, it was yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's people all good, can take things out of context when they really don't need to be. Definitely, definitely. Um, but going on from saying kind of inappropriate things to oh to God. making accidental typos, maybe. I'm, that I'm, was... I'm, I'm leaving you with this one. I'm just going to go by <laughs> myself a couple of things. You carry um, on with this. Yeah, I loved Jenny Pussy's tweet because I could totally, totally relate to this. So Jenny Pussy tweeted, a friend messaged me informing me that I made a typo and wrote, dorsalis penis palpable in a patient's <laughs> right, notes. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. <laughs> for, for anyone listening who's um, maybe not uh, like medical, medical, um, dorsalis pedis is a pulse, obviously autocorrected to dorsalis penis. But yeah, I kind of um, am guilty of maybe, maybe not kind of always checking my notes when I type them quickly and have, in a few neurosurgery op notes have typed um butthole drilled or butthole drilled sorry rather than burhole drilled and I think like people must be reading that like yes yeah, skin opened butthole drilled like what the what is she doing to these people um but did you drill in the right place yeah yeah right end of the patient <laughs> well, I think yeah pretty pretty sure like I think I was at the head end definitely um but uh but yeah you did you have a did you have an example none Oh, good. <laughs> of course, I've got tons. I, I touch type, so I'm trying to look at the patient while I'm typing. So yeah, it's yeah. littered with typos, littered. Um, one that I can remember is probably this guy that I had seen and I'd written in his notes, um, has had a MILF headache for three months. <laughs> MILF. I was like, oh my goodness. And then once you press save... And it's That's done. It. That's it. Saved it's forever. It's done. And you think, oh my goodness. And a then luckily headache. I'd done a follow-up and I'd, on my follow-up contact, I'd write, FYI, <laughs> apologies for the MILF. It was mild. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you felt like the, the need to even address that. Like you could have just totally to... pretended it was, no. but no, you had to like focus on the fact that you'd written MILF in your, in your I consultation. Had to, because just to make sure oh people didn't gosh. think I meant MILF. look oh look Nina before we get cancelled let's move on love come on before we get cancelled right so uh yeah moving on from right this is the segue I think I'm most proudest of I've I've got to say this so moving on from dorsalis penis we'll take a look at another ballsy move shall we ping 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 (laughs) get it get it get it um yeah what was um what was uh there was a bit of discussion wasn't it about kind of bleeps and rotor gaps and things yeah, so we had, um, there was a really good tweet from Abby Carey. Um, shall I read the original tweet first? The, yeah, so the what was it relating to? From, yeah, was from Jack Barton. And he wrote, um, uh, too ballsy to email medical HR to state that if I'm carrying F1 and SHO bleep overnight, I should probably be paid for both roles, question mark. One F1 covering all medical wards in a busy London DGH for £10-ish an hour 
they must be laughing their heads off. And um, Abby wrote, uh, I took a stand in handover when I was CMT. They wanted uh, me to act up as Reg. I said, yes, who will hold the SHO bleep? They wanted me to hold both. I said, I will not be the next Bauer Garber. Consultant agreed to hold bleep, but kept putting people through to me. I refused the calls. Yes, Abby. Yes, yes, Abby. Yes, that's brilliant. Absolutely spot on. Fair play to you. Like, yeah, I, I, I found that such a powerful kind of that, encouraging really tweet. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Really to be impressive. Honest, I, I don't think I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done that. Like, I. I don't think I would have had the balls either. In training, well, and not not, the not, balls, not but... because I was altruistic or anything, but purely because I would have been too weak to say what what Abby had the courage to say. I would would have been a shitbag, yeah, absolutely. And I I genuinely assumed that, I would assume if the the powers above have told me to do something, then it's something that's legitimate and it's safe. I wouldn't think that they would put me in a situation where I was unsafe Mm. at work, but we know this happened. We're not taught about it in medical school, are we? At any point, are we we, taught? Is this spoken about or talked about? No, You're just kind of thrown is, into yeah. it. It's left for us to navigate on, yeah. And essentially, I feel like I've just learned off Twitter how to deal with these situations. No, it's true. It's like, true. That's like where these, I'm kind of, yeah. These sorts know. of tweets have such a huge impact because you read them and then it makes you realise, oh, hang on. Like... Mm. So when someone asks you and you're put in a similar situation and you see how someone else dealt with it and, you know, everybody coming to their defense, saying you were right, you know, just validating what they have done. Yeah, it makes you realize, yeah. oh, actually, I'm right to do this, too. Yeah. Um, there was a really good tweet from um, Xander as well, wasn't there, uh, Bethan? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I really like Xander's take on on the situation. I, well, I like Xander's take on everything, to be honest. But this this was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Xander said, I once walked into a handover room to find the medical consultant, Reg, an SHO, stood around a computer saying, well, the surgical ward cover will just have to do both. Turns out the medical ward cover was again the rotor gap and they thought I'd just roll over and do it. Either way, after I said no and laughed at them, they found another solution that didn't involve me. Sometimes if people present you with nonsense treat it as such that another spot spot on spot tweet. on spot on yeah i'm like taking notes from these and like yeah <laughs> how can i put my big girl pants on and be be a better be a better person no, no it's I like if someone asks you at work will you cover this extra writer gap i'll be like hold on one second let me just check let Twitter, me let just me... check Twitter, and i'll be like a screenshot either Zan yeah. or abby's tweet i'll be like yeah what what she said what what he said that's that's my response um but another topic that people had like a lot of opinions on as well it seems um is the is that topic of kind of whether there's an obligation um to fill kind of rotor gaps and and uh pick up extra shifts and there was a an article in the bmj starring our very own therusha gunawardena yeah um asking that question you know is it my moral duty to cover shifts in the absence of staff um and um, abby rimmer Partha, well. yeah. yeah. Now Nina and I can um, condense that entire article for you down into one sentence in the answer to that question, and that whole we sentence. We don't need a sentence. We just need two letters. 
is no. No. Exactly. <laughs> Remember, no is a whole sentence. But no, it was really nice to read that article and kind of appreciate that everyone was on the same page. Like, yeah, this is not, this is not our moral yeah. obligation to kind of pick up these extra shifts and burn ourselves out yeah. and, you know, for, for whatever personal cost it is and things. So yeah, that was um, that was a really good article, and it's definitely kind of w- worth a read. Nice and um, nice and condensed. I quite like um, Partha's little quote in there, actually, when he said, um, "The moral argument harks back to the perennial debate about whether medicine is a vocation or a job." With both camps perhaps missing the fact that these uh, these things don't need to be mutually exclusive. A moral argument gives license to those who would like to abuse a trainee's goodwill or guilt trip um, uh, a colleague into covering a shift, even when long-term damage done to the individual outweighs the short-term need. I mean, that sums it up, doesn't it? God, completely, completely. Um, But yeah, some people have an opinion on on who should be picking up those those extra rotor gaps and those extra shifts and... Those what? are the uh, single, childless women, apparently. Like me. <laughs> well, no, I've got, a, I've got a dog. Like she's my daughter. I think exactly. I don't know if that no, she's... But, but yeah, there's, there was some talk, wasn't there, about kind of uh, yeah, unmarried, childless women. What was? Um, so the original, original tweet, tweet. Yeah, the original tweet was from Maria Shake, and she was an American. Anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. Um, Can we stop assuming unmarried, childless women have tons of free time? We also have lives and our mental health to maintain outside our full-time jobs. And the quote tweet was from um, Safina Afzal. She said, and while we're at it, honestly, we are genuinely fine and we don't feel we are missing very much at all. 100% love kids and respect those who are parents, of course. I've lost count how many times recently someone's asked me, are my query man, query sprogs, tedious. Why so interested, folks? (sighs) I mean... We yeah. could spend a whole hour just talking about these two tweets, couldn't we? <laughs> Gosh, completely. People are obsessed, aren't they, with our lives and kind of, how, like you say, having this checklist of what we should or exactly. what they think we should be achieving. It's not, even, and... it's not even our lives. It's like what? It's like the, the on the ladder of life, how many boxes <laughs> have you ticked so far? Married? Tick. Children? No. Tick. No, <laughs> God, keep going, Nina. Let me let me show you how many more I've un- left blank. God, I think my family it's and friends ridiculous. have truly it's given up on me. Absolutely no, ridiculous, it, it but is. it never stops. Like it's like if you're not dating, it's like oh, when are you going to start dating? And then you're dating. Oh, when are you going to get married? You're yeah, married. So when are you going to have? When are you going to have your first kid? You had your first kid. When is it going to be the second kid? I've got two boys. When are you going to have a girl? It it never stops. When does it stop? No. Do men get it to this degree? I don't think so. No, they don't. They don't get it like that. No, not at all. Not at all. So I guess after talking about families and kiddiewinks and experience, um, experiencing a, a surge, a surge of hormones there, maybe, Nina, nice. a nice surge. Um, that brings us back to another recurring character on Med Twitter. Go for and it. And that is sepsis man. Um, oh, no, to give him his honourable title, Dr. Ron Daniels, MBE. Um but yeah, he uh, provided a bit of a laugh for us uh, this this week, which was much needed. Um, and he uh, he pushed out the tweet. <laughs> it was essentially it was in response to um, an emergency department um, tweeting about there being an influx of children with with respiratory illnesses, um, and what they were trying to do to get around that. 
and they specifically used the word surge as in to help us manage the surge of children with respiratory illnesses. And Dr. Daniels responded, uh, could I kindly request that you don't use inflammatory and scary language such as surge? What sent me over the edge was the kiss that he put on the end of that tweet. Like, love you, bye. I didn't see it as a kiss. I, I thought it was like a no. X factor, like, uh, uh, like no, don't you, gosh, no. capital X, like, uh, uh, don't you no. surge. <laughs> no, that was like some weird, weird kiss thing going on. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see him coming back with kind of uh, another chuckle. But yeah, it was it was then funny how he kind of followed that up with saying that he'd never used the word surge outside of talking about electricity supplies before yeah and he put surge um, it's new to me it sounds a smidge sensationalist and then yeah. it, michael alcock has just found there loads some of his tweets fantastic like, sleuthing words is yeah. this you is this you and it's just like surge 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 <laughs> just 100% yeah yeah we're on we're on to you Dr Daniels just remember I think this goes for everyone just remember on Twitter there are always receipts always always yeah always Bethan I've just realized we've forgotten our competition well do you not remember we said that no. we were going to have a competition between us as to who would drop the word surge the most during the podcast surge 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 there you we've go that. sorted I won yeah. I won um yeah, I think yeah, that's actually yeah, I forgot about that. We'll do it from now on. We'll see what we'll see what we can do from now Surge on. Surge or boost. Surge or boost. Yeah, those are the the buzzwords of Med Twitter this week. Um but moving on Let's uh, surge on to the next tweet. Oh, yes. Thank nice. you very much. Thank nice. you. Nice. Um and we can move on to the the surge of people that suddenly approach you for opinions as soon as you get that doctor title in front they of want your a name. Boost of medical inf- All right, we're going to really bug people yeah, if let's, we keep let's, doing this. Yeah, let's, let's not. knock that on the head. Okay, yeah, right. Let's... Competition over. I won. There you go. You fine. You can have surge. I'll get boost. Thanks, girl. Um, so, yeah, we're referring to a tweet by um, by Alex here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and what was that tweet? Do you have it there, Nina? I have. It says, I've just gone for dinner with my non-medic parents and within five minutes, my mum's whipped out her NHS app to show me her recent blood results and my dad showed my granddad's post-mortem result email. Nah, nice, nice dinner. Nice family dinner. I know, then, yeah. lovely family dinner. Yeah. Very relaxing. Lo- lovely evening. Yeah, lovely evening. Yeah, that, um, yeah, it, it just reminds me of like, like you must obviously, like you'll get it loads in GP, but like, yeah, my mum, like she'll come to me with, or with something and she'll be like, oh, I've got these symptoms, this is happening. And I'll always just be like, whoa, no, like, you know, this is too much responsibility. Go and go and see a GP and she'll kick off and she'll be like, I thought you were a doctor. Oh, sorry. No, actually it'd be more like, I thought you were a doctor. Oh, sorry. She's obviously very, very Welsh. Oh, um, I love it. Can you carry and, on the uh, podcast in that accent? <laughs> sorry, I've been trying I to tone it down it. so people understand me. Oh, um, don't tone it down. Your accent's but, the best. But yeah, no. So she'll kind of throw that card into the mix. Um and uh, and then and then she'll just like randomly turn around a couple of weeks later and God, my mum's been on steroids for for years for whatever reasons and she'll just be like oh yeah I, I stopped my steroids yesterday and I'm just like mum no like you can't you can't do that like I'm a doctor listen to me and then she'll just pull out this line like I've been on this earth a lot longer than you have sweetheart as if like that conveys it all the medical knowledge in the world like mum life well, experience what's the point to go into medical school just become a mum like exactly. you know everything Oh, literally, I love my mum so much, though. She's cracking. <laughs> my dad, like, goes to, like, two extremes. So, like, on one extreme, he'll, like, randomly come to me and be like, so, 
are you allowed do you see like real patients he's i think he still sees me as a little girl are you still allowed to prescribe medicine all by yourself i'm like oh my god yeah dad i've been a doctor for 12 years now come on give it a rest and then on the other side he'll be he'll like send me i'll just get a random text message saying oh yeah i said he would call this auntie because um she's got this back pain problem or whatever problem and she's seen this specialist, this specialist, this specialist, this specialist, and had like every investigation under the sun. They can't find the cause. So I said, you'd call her and you'd be able to <laughs> sort it out. Oh, Hang on. So on one end, I'm this little girl who- Pretending to be like, <laughs> yeah. To be On the other hand, I can, I'm a true generalist um, who can sort out everything that all specialists, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Oh, the thing yeah, is, you have to laugh. It's cute though, isn't it? It is cute. The thing is, I actually never, I don't, I mean, I, I get it a lot from friends and family, people asking me oh, medical advice constantly. Mm. Um, I, I don't mind actually. I, 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 I I don't, I don't mind it. What I do mind is um, my parents telling other people, oh yeah, Nina will sort it out and like, giving like them- Like pimping you out, yeah. Eventually <laughs> 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 pimping you out. Basically. Oh, bless I'm gonna, they're like, oh, it's just family. I'm like, it's, but literally every Asian person we meet is auntie your uncle. So they're all yeah, supposed it's to be everyone, family. Yeah, it's, it's everyone. everyone. I'm like, I have no idea oh. who this person is. They're like, oh, you know, oh. auntie this. Oh, bless them. But yeah, no, I um, obviously start my GP training next year. And after being kind of super specialized for six years, I am looking forward to becoming more of a, a generalist again. Are you um, a generalist? You're not doing obstetric well, training. Well, no, outside of GPs, are there any other actual generalists? And it seems there there might be, but maybe not the ones that we were all aware of so um ed are not generalists either by the way no no it's correct according to the um this uh, particular (laughs) tweeter um who has a number of interesting takes but one of our favorite uh senior gp colleagues uh, tweeted this week as hospital doctors have subspecialized into narrower areas gp has expanded to fill the gaps in care now working across many areas in and out of consulting rooms core gp urgent care prisons homeless mental health child health addiction etc no wonder it's hard to meet demand um so someone kind of responded to that and said you know there are a large number of hospital doctors that are generalists such as acute medicine emergency medicine geriatrics exactly. not everyone in hospital is, is subspecialized to which the the the, the golden tweets came even ed is now dividing into adults and children like how how dare they elderly care into different sub areas very very few generalists left in hospitals except for maybe obstetricians what so ed aren't generalists because they do adult or children which actually ed do both yeah um and then but obstetricians that that really came out of left field didn't it the only people that obstetricians are generalists for are fetuses now as soon as that fetus is expelled into the world it becomes a pediatric problem yeah. <laughs> and the only adults that they are generalists for are pregnant women so not even half so the population of the population a is. very specific part of half the population i just thought like i i i, I do have respect for dr gerarda i have great respect for her but this I was just too. one of those it was things just where an you, odd take wasn't it yeah just wondering kind of like yeah what's going on there maybe like maybe she's having us all on and she's kind of knowing that that, that this is kind of prompt this discussion but um but yeah, that was that was too good not to mention um, 
too good not to mention this week. I think the problem is, is there's so much misunderstanding between primary and secondary care. I think a lot of primary care don't really understand what's actually happening in secondary care and secondary care don't really understand what's happening in primary care and a lot of the time. And I think that is where the problem lies. And we had a really good um, tweet from Jonathan Griffiths. Uh, do you want to read out what, what he said, Bethan? Yeah, so Dr. Griffiths wrote a um, wrote a blog post and uh, it started by saying, I recently arranged to spend some time with the acute physicians at our local hospital. As a GP, I'm very aware of the pressures that we are currently experiencing, but I'm less sighted on what is happening in the hospital. I often find that the best way to really understand something is to experience it for yourself. So a quick email to colleagues at the hospital and we arranged this. I mean, hats such off. a hats yeah, off. it's it's so basic, isn't it? But it's just such a good idea, like primary care experiencing secondary care and tertiary care, and and vice versa. It's one of those simple things that's just yeah. I everyone should be doing that. Exactly. Everyone. Exactly. I mean, we've got so much to. There's so much crossover in what we do. There's so much similarity, mm. but there, it just seems so common sense to both of us have experience in each other's fields and just to shadow each other for a bit to yeah yeah it's different nuances there's different like problems isn't there in in the different systems and I think all too quickly we're kind of getting pitted one against the other at times so versus us yeah absolutely actually it's just a continuation of care for the same patients of course it is it's the same ultimate goal it's the same ultimate aim thing we've all got the same goal in mind and I hate the pitting of primary versus secondary care yeah it's just yeah it's gross it's gross one team people one team leave those laminated passive aggressive signs out of it but we're one one team we should Um, share lockers that would help promote yeah yeah share lockers lockers. that's we'll solve the nhs's problem definitely (laughs) um but talking about some other things that that can improve our practice we came across a really lovely post by Charlotte Johnson this week, who's uh, one of the FY1s who started in August this year. And what did she ask, Nina? She said, hashtag my Twitter. I'm curious, what what was the one thing you realised or learnt that made you a better doctor? Can be esoteric, clinical or more personal or reflective? So, I mean, there some, some of the responses... Yeah, there were some lush were responses, really weren't there? Yeah. yeah. I really like Tharusha's response to that. He put, some days you're the pigeon, some days you're the statue helps me uh, give up the illusion of control of workload. Like sometimes you will feel absolutely shat on and feel mad, say because you're getting a big handover, and then other days will be terrible and you may hand over loads. I, I like that tweet. Were there any yeah. responses that you... Um, that yeah, I loved, you? Um, I loved Minna's response. Um, and he, well, again, like, like Sandra, I love everything that Minna's got to say, Minna's got to say. Um, but yeah, so I... Um, so he said that we make probabilities, not diagnoses, that it's our responsibility to reassure the patient, even if we are unsure. We can be open about that, but still elicit trust and find the answer. It's a balance of being self-critical to improve, but objectively not beating yourself up. And that first and foremost, we are there to care for patients as human humans, which involves shutting up and listening. Like, yeah, that's we need to do way more of that, way more everyone's guilty of needing to do more of that 100 percent um but like i think we both thought about this haven't we nina yeah. um it's just a really poignant question to to consider really was it what's kind of what's your thing if you don't mind kind of sharing it um no i i had a proper think about it, actually this tweet really made me think and 
I don't think there's anything specific in training that I could think of that specifically had a huge impact on me that made me a better doctor. But what did was seeing it from the other side. And about 12 years ago, my dad was quite poorly and it was an urgent, it was a life-threatening emergency situation. And it was absolutely, I've never felt fear like it. It was absolutely terrifying for for me, my mum, my sisters. It was just an absolutely awful time. And all I remember was every single day getting up, not sleeping, but going into hospital and just waiting for that ward round. You would bait your entire day Mm, and you would hang on to every word that was said on that ward round, that, that five minutes you know, or or however long you were given, um, you hang on to every word. And it just made me realize how, I don't know if I should say this, but there was one junior doctor who had said just an off off the cuff remark that was incredibly short sighted. Um, And it, it made such an impression in a negative way that I still remember it verbatim, like 12 years later. And it just made me realize that actually, when you're working and you're busy, speaking to relatives is like another like list, tick job list, um, on your long, long <laughs> list of jobs you've got to do. But for that relative, that those five minutes, they, they will carry with them, they really will. And it has a bigger, what you say has a bigger impact than we can even, we even think. Yeah, no, I, I can completely relate to that. Like, yeah, um, both parents have been kind of on ITU for different reasons, but obviously like critically unwell. And the whole, the whole experience just changes you as, you know, not only as a doctor, but as a person as well, doesn't it? It's like your life just changes after experiencing something like that. Um, but yeah, I had a good think about it as well. And, and I think for kind of, um, for me I think up until like the age of 30 I relatively thought I was invincible and then 30 hit and um I realized I wasn't and um over the past kind of couple of years have kind of had a few issues with like both mental and physical health and you know it's always like kind of drummed into us about boundaries and things but kind of what what's kind of really stood out for me and kind of what's changed my practice in a way is is that sometimes those sometimes you're you're allowed to blur those boundaries with with patients and kind of offer some personal aspects of yourself and that's not to say that I would like ever go to a patient and say oh yeah this is wrong with me blah 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 like I'm not saying that but sometimes it opens up like um like a connection or a gateway you know if 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 a patient is struggling with something and you know and you've maybe experienced something similar yourself it's not to detract anything from them but but sharing that you know that they're not alone and you know maybe sharing some experiences is is like it's hugely profound and um that seems to have come up naturally a few times with me in a few interactions with patients and the connection is just completely different to kind of how if you're that professional who's very standoffish and is not seen as kind of of human so yeah for me I think it's just knowing that we are allowed to be human we are allowed to kind of um you know maybe blur those boundaries a little bit and, and share a bit about ourselves Absolutely. to our patients if it's appropriate um just, just, and yeah just, just for the yeah. patient knowing that you truly understand what they're going through I think is yeah. really it's really powerful it's huge isn't it yeah. it's huge yeah um but as we come towards the end of this episode um 
Nina and I just want to get kind of a little bit more serious, I guess, and and discuss a few topics that come up regularly throughout medicine and throughout healthcare and throughout med Twitter as, you know, as, as, a, as a field. Um, so we're just going to kind of have a bit of a discussion about sexual harassment within medicine um, and also talk a bit about kind of mental health as obviously they impact each other. Um, and um, yeah, and I guess it's, I guess we just wanted to give like a content warning or a, or a trigger warning, really, that if you feel unable to kind of listen to the discussion about these topics at present for for whatever reason, then that's, you know, that's absolutely fine. And you need to do what you need to do for yourself. But maybe it's a good idea or maybe it's time to kind of switch off the episode here if that's something that you maybe don't want to kind of listen to. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the sexual harassment discussion it's 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 an ongoing never-ending one because it it never stops really we've yeah. had quite a few really raw and honest tweets a lot from the american med twitter side um this time haven't we yeah a bit of a hard read some of them i have to say um but there's a couple that have stood out were there any ones that you wanted to speak about in a bit more detail bethan I think, um, I think I just, well, I think it was just about a general point kind of, um, for me in terms of, yeah, like you say, there was lots, something kind of came out, didn't it, on American Med Twitter last week that kind of prompted people to speak up about these stories, which is just so kind of, it's incredibly strong and, you know, thank you to all those, you know, all those people who have shared those, those stories. Um, but yeah, it's that general kind of message, isn't it, of being believed. Yes. And if I just read, I'm not going to read specifics, but there was a tweet thread from Amani uh, John Baker. Uh, sorry if I've really sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. And she spoke about her experience of sexual harassment and how she had felt gaslighted by uh, some colleagues around her as well, and how that made it even more difficult in speaking up and the impact that had on her. And she wrote. Um, it is hard to speak up. It is hard when other women say, oh, that's just how he is. Or when anyone implies how you've been dressing or acting is inviting this unwanted sexual attention. So when women take the risk of becoming pariahs or losing their careers to speak up, believe them. Yeah, like that's it, isn't it? Believe them. Yeah. That's it. 100%. Yeah, because kind of following on from all these stories Quentin mentioned something as well Quentin's um, another kind of poster on the American side of things um, and she she tweeted so many people are demanding proof from the women who've spoken out against a predatory man why would you believe it what would you even do with that proof would it even matter to you I doubt it and that's again I think that's just like that's just so profound in the way that you know, people are demanding proof, but why? Why do you need it? What are you going to do with it? Exactly. It doesn't change anything. Often you don't even have proof. It's yeah, exactly. Like what your is proof? word against against theirs? I think people really underestimate how difficult it is speaking up. Mm. You mull it over in your head a hundred times before speaking of up. Of course, you're you worried do. about, and that's the thing you worry about: Are people going to believe me? Mm. What? And if they do. And if it if it is carried forward, is it worth it? What are the consequences going to be for me? Is anything going to change? Mm. Yeah, 
Because, and you know, there's so many of us who've kind of spoken about about these things and uh, we'll mention a bit about kind of the safe space that's being set up in a second. But yeah, when, when I was in kind of neurosurgery and was experiencing sexual harassment, I couldn't report it at the time. I was terrified that, you know, it would end up kind of making me lose my training number. Um, and one consultant even kind of threatened me as with such and said, you know, um, if you, you know, try and report anything about this, then I'll make sure you kind of don't work here again. And I kind of walked away thinking, oh, we can't do that. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, well, can he? Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's not, you're not in really a position to kind of do much about it. And it's only kind of once I've long gone and left that kind of training program and kind of thought about it a bit more and feel like I maybe have a bit you know, oh, I don't have much to lose kind of thing from that. It's only now that I feel like I can be very open about it and kind of feel more, you know, feel kind of the urge to do something more about it, which I think is it's just such a shame. Yeah. I think this is why having these discussions and even people being, I mean, to put things out there like that, I think is incredibly brave. To put yourself out there like that and describe what's happened to you. Mm then you feel when you're going through it yourself because it's always hush hush behind closed doors often the time you feel completely alone you don't talk about course, it to anyone of course and you feel is this just happening to me but when you see other people that have gone through it mm. and they've reported it or and you know this outcome you know the positive outcome after all of that it just makes you feel more having it gives you a bit more confidence to to speak gives you hope as well yeah hope is underrated completely underrated it gives you hope it's yeah it's it's empowering it's encouraging like you say um and would you mind if i mentioned about about the safe space nina would would that be okay if i mention about that of course absolutely um yeah so this this seems to be like a kind of a roughly fortnightly thing that um, Nina, Lynn Miller and uh, Law Evans have have set up. Um, and it's kind of, it's a, it's a Twitter space essentially, but it's kind of classed as a safe space for people to come to join um, and kind of contribute any you know stories or questions or advice or anything, or just even come to listen. And it's kind of about bullying, sexual harassment within medicine. It's not just doctors, you know, it's just healthcare in general. Um, so those are kind of those are posted on on Twitter when they occur, which is kind of every fortnightly, roughly on a on a Tuesday night. Um, and yeah, obviously they're they're hosted by Nina Lynn and Law. Um, and having attended them as well, I just yeah, I can't speak kind of highly enough to be able to kind of speak to other people from our little Twitter bubble um, that have kind of experienced you know not exactly the same situation but maybe harassment and bullying within healthcare it's just it's just incredible and profound to kind of get that advice from people because you can speak to a friend who maybe has never experienced something like that before and it's just you know of the, the course they'll be concerned and, and try and understand it but it's different to having actually experienced yeah. it isn't it completely different and having that range from you know we've had medical students to trainees to senior consultants nurses like or it's for all like allied healthcare professionals just to see what people have gone through and everyone understands like everyone completely understands it's free of judgment and yeah, just hearing just to be able to talk freely knowing you're going to be understood and you're not going to have to justify why you didn't report it or you're not going to be asked stupid questions about um 
do you think it could have been something that you wore or yeah, yeah. you said that invited that sort of behavior in so yeah I, I've I've found it really helpful yeah want to give a thanks to Lynn yeah it's all for it's ace it's 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 something that's space. just really well done it's just it's just happened doesn't it and I just think it's such an invaluable yeah, invaluable space yeah happened yeah no hats off to you three for kind of sorting that but yeah I guess that leads you know into kind of you know kind of concerns about mental health and stuff that we have yeah. in healthcare as well and kind of talking about that isolating feeling in terms of uh, you know being experiencing sexual harassment and then having that connection from sharing stories I feel like it's quite similar with mental health as yes. well and yes. I've become sort of quite vocal on on that um side of things recently and um I just think you know when I first started to kind of struggle in that way it was very isolating kind of you know it, it was hard to be kind of open and you know you wouldn't wish that on your on your own worst enemy kind of depression and anxiety or I certainly wouldn't anyway but to kind of share stories or you know feeling like you're able to share stories and you know getting like so many dms from people who kind of are obviously feeling in a similar way just shows that we're not like we're not alone in this at all and you know it's sad that people have to experiencing have to experience depression anxiety sorry but it is comforting knowing that you know there are there's there's a lot of us out there who are who are struggling essentially none of us are alone in this I don't think you realize how impactful your tweets are Bethan genuinely I don't know it's true like when you're talking about what you think are or you perceive as your biggest weaknesses um, or your flaws or your vulnerability, for the person that's reading it, I don't, you know, we don't see any of that. I just see mm. your strength in being able to have the courage to be so open and so honest. There's, there's not many people that can do that. So... Uh, oh, Nina. No, no, it's true. It's oh, true. Bless you. No, it's true. I, I, it's... I have a huge, huge amount of respect for you. Absolutely. Oh, do. thank you, sweetheart. No, and it, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because I like I've sometimes I've sat and thought like, why am I telling people this? And I'm I'm always kind of worried that people think you know, oh, she's looking for attention or whatever. Oh God, and it's, no. And it's, no. It's God, it's no. I think it's just it's genuinely that feeling of feeling so alone. And you know, I was always a very very kind of closed off person emotionally I think previously and that obviously I think you know that's not good for anyone really and it's something that you know we all kind of need to work on at times but it's mainly about trying to foster that connection because mental mental illness is a horrifically lonely place like yeah it's 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 destroying like obviously we know it destroys people and um, I know, and, and it's so much stigma around it within healthcare, and you know, there's there's things that have happened all the time within, you know, as if kind of dealing with a global pandemic isn't kind of yeah. hard enough. There's things that happen kind of all the time, little things that can be easily like remedied, and you know, contribute to kind of trainees and nurses and doctors and whoever suffering. So things like we've seen a few tweets recently about kind of um, students who receive the the disabled students allowance from the NHS bursary. I think Erin tweeted about that. Yeah. There's trouble there with kind of claiming that money back. Um, there's students who required um, special adjustments for sitting the SJT, the situational judgment test, yeah. which is a compulsory, compulsory test for, for medical students to sit before going into foundation programme. 
these students were sitting for hours on the phone with Pearson View. I think Abby Tut posted about that. Yeah, she did. It's just abhorrent. And then again, the Royal College of Anaesthetists of of been in a bit of a blunder this week with kind of releasing exam marks and exam results and emailing hundreds of results to to one person and things like that and again it's like all those as if is it, is it as if it isn't hard enough anyway to kind of work in this field you've got all those things that are constantly like against you and no wonder there's like massive rates of mental health amongst medicine massive rates of burnout it's understandable isn't it completely understandable and actually i think what's most it never fails to shock me how actually medicine as a profession is one of the least understanding yeah. when it comes to um, sickness of employees and mental health. And um, can I read out uh, this tweet from Linda Dykes? Yeah, yeah, of um, course, yeah. She said, I'm pretty certain that fear of punitive NHS uh, sick leave policies um, contributes to presenteeism that in turn exacerbates mental health difficulties and some of our colleagues end up dead as a result I mean it's true yeah. isn't it it is yeah it is that's the, that's a possible outcome isn't it and that's not a scare tactic no but people people do end up dead as a result yeah it's just drilled into I don't know if it's is it intrinsic to us like I just remember um, you know last year when I had that, you know, I had that accident on the motorway, my car was written off and I had the two kids inside. And my first call was to the emergency services. My second call was to work. Yeah. So I was going to be late. I didn't even say I'm not, I'm not going to be in. I said, I'm going to be late. <laughs> Could it be late? On Sorry, Nina. I apologise. I'm going to be late. Yeah. And, but why, what is it? Why are we so, yeah, what are we, why? why are we so afraid? That's a really good question. And it, like I say, it's just like, it feels like it's just like this. It's just the way it is. And it's the system's like atrocious. And um, yeah, it's, I think things have, have got to change. And another thing we wanted to mention as well is kind of, um, obviously last weekend it was World Mental Health Day and it kind of prompted some stories from um, a couple of people on, on Med Twitter about kind of their experiences of of mental health and, um, you know, in, in students, uh, sorry, as students or or as trainees and kind of how that's prompted fitness to practice panels. Oh, yes. Gosh. Now, this is punishing like already already vulnerable people with, um, you know, with mental illness, with an archaic process that could lead to them being like struck off, sent off a course, losing their training number. Like, what is that all about? Like, it's... It's just shocking, isn't it? It's disgusting. It like, is. how on earth? How on earth are you expected so to feel safe and feel exactly. you know you can be open and ask for help? And the when worst that's your, thing with mental health your is having to hide it and of put course, on a yeah, of a, course, a faith that put on the front. Is fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably. Um, I just want to mention two things here, and um, I think the first is NHS practitioner health, and just to say that if anyone's kind of struggling with mental health and and things who work in healthcare, NHS practitioner health is is a really great service, and I feel like I can only kind of just mention that here because I've used it and continue to use it myself and you can self-refer online just find the website and fill in the form um and it's yeah you know if if you is if, it, if there's even a tiny part of you that's kind of considering asking for help then please please kind of just just 
pursue it, have a look at it. Um, it's access to kind of clinicians and counselling and different talking therapies. Um, and um, yeah, it's completely made a, well, it might sound dramatic, but I think it's pretty much saved my life essentially. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to mention is not something med Twitter specific, but something that's kind of really helped, I think, in terms of me foster connections and really helped with kind of um, my mental health as well is something called um, Spaces for Listening. Um, and it's run by a uh, it's run by two people. One's a coach called Bridget Russell and the other is a gentleman who's a psychologist in the NHS called Charlie Jones. And they run essentially regular Zoom sessions uh, for people from all, all backgrounds. Obviously, this is not just healthcare or medicine related uh, to join in. And the, and the premise is that it's just a space to kind of listen to each other um, because, you know, people have noticed that we just don't do enough of that. We're all going around feeling kind of unsupported and feeling unheard and um and going back to what Minna said earlier on you know we have to shut up and listen essentially like yeah. there needs to be a lot more of that mm-hmm. so um those kind of zoom sessions are run regularly and and I'll um and if it's okay with Tharusha and Imran I'll kind of post some links to that um in, in the next kind of few days about kind of how to access that and how to join in and it's obviously completely free it's just a you know it doesn't even take an hour of your time but it's it's incredible in terms of kind of being listened and heard and um yeah really kind of powerful tool I'm very grateful for kind of Twitter for you know allowing people to access stuff like that and for you know introducing those kind of things but um yeah I think that's probably kind of brought us to a a nice close. kind of close hasn't it and yeah. um there's been a, like a there's been something from Scrubs going around this past week, hasn't there, Nina? There has. I love Scrubs. Did you watch Scrubs? Yeah, it's, uh, I it's, still maintain it's the most realistic oh, medical show. Like they're not afraid to touch on difficult topics, no, are they? No, no, um, not at all. So it's just like a scene um, that I'll read out. So uh, it says, uh, "You see, Doctor Wen in there. He's explaining to that family that something went wrong, and that the patient died." He's going to tell them what happened. He's going to say he's sorry, and then he's going to go back to work. You think anyone else in that room is going back to work today? This is why we distance ourselves. This is why we make jokes. We don't do it because it's fun. We do it so we can get by. I think that resonated with a lot of us, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, explains a lot about that medic kind of dark humour. and does. A lot about what med Twitter's about as well, isn't it? And kind of the humour that we agree. Like, we kind of bandy around on there. Yeah, like, I feel like Twitter's been a, a lifeline for me, if I'm being honest with you. Oh, likewise, 100%. It really has. Like, I remember, you know, I, I joined... I joined a year, I joined last year at the start of the pandemic and I felt so, I'd just be going to work, be sitting in my room alone all day. I wouldn't see another, I wouldn't see another soul. I'd literally just walk yeah. into my room and be alone. And it was, I remember just feeling so isolated professionally and personally. And then, yeah, yeah through med Twitter, just the laughs, the sharing of experiences, knowledge, just everything colleagues and the friendships I mean look yeah. uh, look at our friendship that's come up through Twitter I mean, oh that's man yeah friends forever friends forever <laughs> no but it really oh, has no. it, it's been I, I think it's been a really of course there are negative parts of Twitter and yeah toxic like everything isn't like it? everything yeah. but on the whole I mean I think it's been absolutely brilliant for yeah. forging connections and just being so damn supportive, I think it's been absolutely brilliant. 
Yeah, 100% I agree. I think that's that's essentially it, isn't it? It's just allowed us to kind of, like, yeah, through some of what's been the most difficult times, it's just allowed us to kind of, yeah, keep those connections going, keeps a bit of humility and humanity and stuff. And yeah, it's, um, it's really good. But no, I'm like... I got I joined Twitter years ago, but literally only started kind of posting again last year for for pretty much the exact same reasons, just feeling quite isolated and stuff in terms of returning to kind of clinical work. And yeah, very kind of grateful for um, those connections. And I, I was just I'm just like chuckling to myself, kind of like, where else would you crowdfund the old pink Power Ranger slating <laughs> Zach Ferguson for being five foot three? Like that couldn't I just feel like that wouldn't happen anywhere else. Apart I love from the crazy side of Twitter. Uh, Gives me life, like, I swear. It's yeah. so random. Just need, <laughs> we just need to think like who else we need to crowdfund now and, and who for. So any suggestions? Um Didn't but I just have that random gold lion that we were all yeah Lord, yeah Llewellyn yeah yes. that's that we crowdfunded for that we got a massive golden golden lion for law yeah that was epic <laughs> but um but yeah I think it's I just wonder as well before we mention uh, sorry before we finish whether the guys wanted us to mention maybe about about their fundraiser Fundraising. um yeah so yeah they'll post um obviously like they'll post the link and we can post the link as well over the next few days in terms of the just giving page but I think yeah the guys are essentially are going to kind of do like an ask ask us anything episode not me and Nina obviously Imran and Therusha um you could ask us anything and you just get a whole ton of boring answers but, <laughs> exactly yeah I don't know, think that would def- be much of it's definitely more interesting to, <laughs> to ask Imran and um and Therusha but yeah my um I've actually come up with a question and it's not so much of a question but more of a request and I'm gonna um I'm gonna donate to the page after making this request but my request is and I've not asked this person actually if they're happy for me to request this but my request for that episode is whether you would consider getting Selva Dr Selva to do a uh, DJ set I don't know if you all know that Selva used to be DJ Raja in his younger years so my um, my request for that episode is whether you could get Selva on to do like a little 90s DJ set that so, would be awesome um, I'm meeting Selva next week actually so I oh, will, ask, will you ask, ask him, him for me I'll ask, ask him, him if he'll mind <laughs> <laughs> and on that note I probably better go and donate to the page now because I can't donate. kind of make my request yeah sweet Thank you, Beth, and that was fun. Thanks, Therusha uh, oh, and no, Imran, for trusting us to do a yeah. takeover episode. For really... I'm not sure if you'll let us do it again, but yeah, we're up for it. <laughs> we are. But no, we had, yeah, good laugh. Good laugh. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been really fun. Any time that I get to just try and kind of crap all sorts sorry chat all sorts of crap with Nina is the crap crap all sorts with Nina we don't poo together I promise we don't we don't we don't it's not that Bethan's kind of relationship giving away all of our secrets let's, let, I know let's we just finish before close. we go into we trouble we are very close yeah but we, yeah we draw draw the line at toileting together yeah but anyhow it's been an absolute pleasure to kind of do this with Nina um it's been great fun likewise I hope, likewise I hope we've kind of yeah done it justice and I hope we've kind of managed to talk about the key topics and stuff that we've all been kind of getting getting interested in this week um but yeah thank you so much thank for listening you very much. it's been absolute joy take care everyone bye and you've been listening to two medics and one mic thank you for listening 